Hello friends, I'm your host Chris Thrill, I'm a former Royal Marines Commando, I've adventured for better and sometimes worse across 80 countries on all seven continents. Welcome to the Bought the T-Shirt Podcast. Danny, how are you, brother? I'm good, Chris. How are you? I'm phenomenal, mate. And I'm uh, even more phenomenal to not just have people like you in my life, but to be talking to the man himself today. <laughs> well, the sun's shining. It's Wednesday afternoon. And I, by the looks of things, after this interview, I'll be going to get in the channel. I haven't been in for a week. So I know that the temperature is going down rapidly. So game for an invigorating dip in the channel <laughs> oh cold water immersion isn't it good? absolutely yeah it is yeah really good yes i noticed um for, on your instagram you you've been you you very spiritual um taking a, the beautiful photos of the sunsets it's really important isn't it at times of stress that we 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 take a bit of time for ourselves and and just remember that despite the freaking nonsense that's going on yeah the universe is an incredible place and we all we all have our place in it don't we yeah a very kind of small place in the grand scale of the universe but I, i'm just very grateful to wake up in the morning to uh well you know it's not a spectacular sunrise every day but when they are spectacular they certainly are and the same for sunset so i you know i get up early and i like to I like to see the sun coming up as much as I can on the weekends when I'm DJing, I, you know, I'm at work till you know, maybe two or four in the morning. So I don't see as many sunsets on Saturday night, Sunday morning, but I make a point of, of, of waking and looking at the sunset and then a 15 minute meditation and all of this really, you know, I, I've always been um, uh, started the day with gratitude um, and, at night going to sleep with gratitude is very important i feel um for one's well-being but getting up in the morning meditation is um i think uh, as a result of this crisis we've been in um that's really prompted me to embark on meditation and it's uh, a really good thing to do uh, um daily it's an absolute lifesaver mate isn't it really it's funny, isn't it? If you'd said this to me, I don't know, 10 years, maybe yeah, maybe 10 years ago, I'd have just thought that's some hippie shit. I ain't doing that crap. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's recentering re energy and decluttering the mind of you know all the noise that's going on around us. And right now it's really blooming noisy, isn't it? Ah, uh, it is. It is. So I was going to ask you, are you are you like a Londoner by trade? Is is that I was born in London. I lived there for 50 plus years and I've been on the coast um, in East Sussex for close to 11 years now. And I, you know, I love it here because um, it's pretty laid back. Um, there's uh, low traffic emissions, lots of open land to uh, tab on and uh, go for long hikes. Seven Sisters, one of the uh, most beautiful landmarks in the UK. Um, along with the Jurassic Coast and other parts. Uh, that's just on the doorstep. So, yeah, you know, kind of walking. And again, I mean, the, the cold water immersion, I only started in March last year. And I've lived here years. I look at the sea and think, 
you know, that looks a bit cold. But um, yeah, the benefits have been and continue to be profound. Yeah. Yeah, massively. So I was just up your way, wasn't I? We stayed in Weymouth uh, for the summer holiday, not for the half term holiday. Yeah. Um, we got a modest little hotel, but it was literally the cliche 100 metres from the beach. Yeah. So every morning I was in that sea. Yeah. And, well and I, I got low blood pressure, so I get a bit of Raynaud's syndrome quite, quite easily. But yeah, I managed that. No problem. I was just, I was, it, it wasn't a big shocker or anything. It's just yeah. straight in. I won't yeah. say I stayed in there a long time, but long enough to give me a buzz for the day. Exactly. And that's the thing. It's, you know, uh, the benefits of the cardio cardiovascular system and inflammation and um, uh, blood pressure also. So, and mental health and well-being. Uh, and that's why the cold water um, therapy immersion has really become hugely popular since the, uh, the uh, uh, this crisis um, emerged and more people are getting in the sea uh, more than ever. So here locally, there's there's an unofficial club and people meet three times a day, you know, certain points of the day you can go along, meet other like-minded people and, and people are in the sea um, with other people around because particularly with the cold water, it's not, you know, really the thing to do is just get in there on your own without any support around it, just in case there is any difficulties as such. Mm. Wouldn't it be great when you bear in mind, right? Something that we've forgotten in this country is that the politicians work for us, not the other, you know, you could pay money to push them in the sea. That <laughs> It's a new sport. <laughs> That's a great idea for uh, winter 21-22. Push a politician into the cold water. Yeah. Shake some common sense into them. Yes. <laughs> or freeze some common sense into them. Yes. You've got to have a bit of humour, haven't you? Well, you have, mate. they just got to be lucky if they don't live near a volcano. Because <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Hey, yeah. you never guess what I found on the hint, hint, Jurassic Coast. Oh, yeah. Found a fossil, mate. Actually did. We went to that beach where all the, the holiday makers go to chip the rocks open. And, yeah. And um, my boy's massively, he loves his dinosaurs and stuff. And yeah. to be honest, I wasn't, I wasn't 100%. I have seen this narrative out there that dinosaurs never existed. Hmm. And I've never really come in contact other than going to the, the, the Natural History Museum and, and stuff. And the way that narrative, without going into one, but yes, they, they yes. explain it that over the years, people have found like a ancient elephant's hip bone. And then they say that it's like, oh, this is Tyrannosaurus. Da, da, da. So like a lot of these narratives, it, it can actually sound quite convincing. But on the Jurassic Coast, I yeah. found a fossilised shell. Yeah incredible um and when we went to the little museum there there's lots of complete skeletons of of dinosaur like sea creatures um it was quite an eye-opener yeah i haven't really explored the jurassic coast but it's been on my list for quite some time so yeah maybe um uh in the new year or the spring of next year the lovely part of the country but yeah fossil so, hunting brilliant so let's talk about your time as death from the sky 
that surprised me to hear. <laughs> uh, I've gone through a lot in my life, and um, life is a series of experiences and adventures. That's my, you know, I think uh, that's my own personal uh, view. But um, yeah, my grandfather was a military man. Um, he served in the Territorial Army before the um, British Expedition Force in 1939 went into Europe. And he was a member of the um, Oxfordshire and Buckinghamshire Regiment, um, which later became the Royal Green Jacket. So he was uh, a long-standing military career man. And I lived with him as a uh, young man, and uh, he influenced me greatly. And I wanted to follow in his footsteps, and um, he was a great inspiration to me. So um, I uh, wanted to join the uh, regular army. And um, I spent a year training um, and I wanted to join the parachute regiment. And I went to Sutton Coalfield. I did all the fitness and, um, you know, kind of actually I was so, so fit. It was, it was a pretty much a doddle, actually, the BFT at Sutton Coalfield. That's where um, Selection Centre was back then in the 80s. And I had an interview with the uh, colonel, as you do. He was like a... Um, a, a, an army officer, like out of one of those uh, 70s films with his dog sitting close to him. This, uh, and um, all of his, you know, kind of military uh, career pictures on the wall and certification. I had this interview. Um, I don't know whether it was the interview or uh, the fact that I was a bit cocky on the pull-ups with a ferocious looking um, uh, bloke who was a captain in the parachute regiment, coincidentally, um, and I made the mistake of saying, is that it? After I think it was about 20 or 25 pull-ups, is that it? And I didn't address him as sir or anything and should have kept my mouth shut. And I think it, I think it could have been that that got me kind of my card marks. Um, and uh, he exploded in a rage of um, um, language that we won't repeat on here and um, doubled them up, which I, I did. And I think that marked my card. So um, at the interview, uh, they said to me that um, uh, you're, uh, you haven't uh, made the uh, grade for the regiment, but you can join another regiment. And I said, well, I've only come here to join <laughs> the parachute regiment. I was very young um, at that time. I think I was 20 years old or something. Uh, so I went off very, very greatly disappointed um, that I hadn't um, I got through um, uh, with my ambition there at Sutton Kilford. I went home anyway, to cut a long story short. Uh, my grandfather said to me, well, it's, you know, it's a bit of a disappointment, but um, you could always join the Territorial Army, which is where where I was before I was in the regular army. And to be honest, I didn't really know a great deal about the TA at that time. So he gave me the number of the Duke of York's headquarters in Kings Road, Chelsea. I went along there and I did my selection with 10 para and I... I um, I joined 10, the 10th Battalion of the Parachute Regiment. So I really, looking back on it, I had the best of both worlds because I was just starting to DJ at that time as well. And it was a great experience. It taught me a lot about resilience, motivation, and um, I am very proud to have um, partly followed in his footsteps and given some service and uh, learned a great deal from that about myself and it made it turned a bit of an unruly lad into a man that's how I viewed that that transition po process and um, I'm immensely proud of that achievement 
because they're out of Al Qaeda. There was 130 men uh, embarked on the Qaeda in Aldershot, and 13 of us passed on on on, um, Malta Barracks Parade Square. And being given that red beret, as you know yourself, you were given a green beret. It's one of the greatest days of your life with the endurance that you go through and the challenges and the determination and the um, motivation to, 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 to achieve that. So, yeah, that was a part of my life that I am really proud of. And it set the benchmark, I, I believe, for all that has followed a successful DJ career that I'm still um djing across the uh, country at the moment of course the world travel has uh, uh has been impacted by this uh this crisis for many of us and i don't really have the desire to travel overseas at present until things um stabilize and level out with what we've got going on here on home soil so yeah uh, all part of one's rich life experiences did, did you get to jump, Danny? Yes, I did. Yeah, I went to Bryson Alton on a wings course, uh, which is a two-week course. Um, but on my sev- seventh jump, there were eight jumps at that time. On the seventh jump, I creamed in with a container. I released the container. The container hit, hit the DZ. And I, for a split second, thought that I was um, about to land. And I was still uh, uh, 10 feet above the ground. 10 feet, 15 feet. And I came in in an abnormal landing and smashed my shoulders in, dislocated one of them. So, um, yeah, I was pretty gutted because I had one more jump to do, another container jump. And um, so um, my wings were compromised. I went back there um, some months later and the transport never collected me and another bloke who um, uh, who was going back to do... Uh, one more jump to get the wings. So unfortunately, uh, the parachuting side of it, uh, that was my only uh, experience of uh, the the jumping side of things. But there are blokes in the regiment now that have spent three years and, you know, kind of still haven't uh, qualified for that. And now it's five jumps where it was eight eight in the 80s. And did you do your first one from the balloon? Yeah. Yeah, eerie silence and step forward and out, but just look up, <laughs> look up. That's I think that's what got me through and just, you know, head to the sky. Just do not look down. <laughs> yes, I'm going to find a little clip while we're talking. I can still remember that now. It's uh, I mean, that's such a um, that first experience. You've done it yourself, clearly. Um, the silence is eerie. It's a, a really eerie silence. And of course, there's a level of fear. Um, and, you know, you can't say that there's no fear in stepping out of like a stationary balloon with, you know, kind of this just views across the countryside <laughs> in complete silence. <laughs> but it's a test of your fear, overcoming fear. That's one of the first tests before you actually get into an aircraft. Yeah, so I won't bore you with my anecdotes, but I, I literally couldn't show fear because as a, a corporal with, I think, about three or four years service under my belt by that time, I, I was in the basket with three baby paras. 
So when they said who's going to be first out, it's like me. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> fellas, but it, it, it's this is the way it's going to be. And <laughs> just get me out of here. <laughs> yeah, it was the Geronimo that um, made everybody laugh. Well, not the powers; they were their mind was quite preoccupied. But the the jump instructor was like, "Bro, yeah, what do you mean fucking Geronimo?" <laughs> <laughs> Friendly push, and out you went. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's um, that's a great that's the great thing about um, let, let's not talk about the Global Veterans Alliance at the moment, but um, is I love working with the Paris back then. They lo- lo- lovely lads, you know. We had, we, we there was always supposed to be this rivalry, and I never saw it. Um, and now to be marching through London <clears throat> with you know with a para on your left shoulder and an army compatriot on the right, and then a Royal Air Force and, and, and Navy, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It's just um, bloody great, you know. Yeah, great day. Yeah, you would a lot have, of respect. You would have missed the um, night jump, then I'm guessing. Yeah, thank heavens. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. You just hear all these Gurkhas creaming in. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Yes, sir. <laughs> stuck in trees. <laughs> yeah, great. So yes, uh, yeah. Um, Great experience and wouldn't have missed it for the world, but uh, all part of one's character and who we are as um, individuals. Mm. And um, did, did yeah, you, I mean, did, it was great, great tribute to my grandfather. And that's why um, I'll just say this rounding off on that Remembrance um, Sunday. I mean, it's, I, I remember him most days, but particularly on Remembrance Sunday, because um, he... Uh, never went to Remembrance Sunday Parade in Whitehall, and he was invited there. Um, he he was, um, you know, he was uh, he was. I don't know. He he travelled the world and that uh, Singapore and India and Europe, and um, he didn't want to go overseas anymore. And kind of he didn't um, participate in any of the military stuff after the war. You know, parades and things. He. He, he went and gave service again in the Territorial Army. But on Remembrance Sunday, that is my day of, uh, of ultimate remembrance for my grandfather. Mm. So, yeah, that we all have a, uh, um, a, 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 a special uh, sense of remembrance, I think. Anybody who's served in the military or has a military family on that given day. Yes, and um, I think we are... There's- there's been no greater time to honour the, the the sacrifice that, that many of these, I won't say brave individuals, because some of them were just bloody children, um, probably weren't brave, probably absolutely terrified, but they still went over the top, didn't they, for our, our freedom yeah. and the freedom of future generations. And um, when you start... What our talking, freedoms, yeah. Yeah, when you start talking about silly nonsense such as uh, passports and... This guy can go in that club, but that guy, sorry, you that 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 is not on. It's just simply such a dis dishonor. Absolutely. Um, but uh, <laughs> here uh, we go. Here we go. Well, we'll we'll have a, a minor rant, but it mm. it just feels like history is repeating, and also on the other hand, history has been erased, uh, and the the merits and the whole reason for that. Has just been completely like, you know, sidetracked. Oh, that does, you know, it doesn't matter. Where we're at at the moment, we're very in a very strange time, a very yes. very strange time. Yes, and um, it's 
it's just a wee bit more up uh set in there danny went okay you could understand for maybe civilians that have never served that have never lost colleagues that have never you know had colleagues die on in in, in conflict etc to not honor this commitment that, that that hundreds of thousands millions made but so many service personnel are just going along with this narrative aren't they just because it oh. makes it you know some of them are blissfully unaware that's the nature of the matrix isn't it mm. but some are aware but they're just going along with it because it makes their life easier and they get you know they get their tv contract or what, what, whatever the thing may be for next year and um or they can get on an airplane and do their and it, it, it's a is a temptation there to be a bit upset about that you know well i think we have a very divided um society um right now it's very 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 clear and personally i think you know, it's uh, it's levels of consciousness and um consciousness is a frequency and we all have a, a different uh level of consciousness and i think that's playing a, ma a major role in what we're experiencing here um uh, the di divide of uh, fa friends family business uh, uh mm -hmm. businesses uh, co-workers you know um associations uh, just it's uh, sons daughters mothers fathers aunties uncles you name it uh, you know everybody is experiencing some form of divide as much as you want to rise above that not everybody is able and has the capacity um consciously to rise above the division and um it's a very very dark time that we're we've never never seen anything like this it's mm -hmm. um it's yeah, it's hard to fathom out at times but that personally that's what i you know i feel it is it's just look different levels of consciousness and some people are further back along the road of consciousness and from some people are further ahead but i do feel that those people will catch up and we meet in the middle somewhere which this cannot go on like this uh, this is just uh, not the world that uh, we desire to uh, live in you know we're here to shape a better world and that's what we're doing yes exactly we're, we're enabling people to win the spiritual battle where is the spiritual battle played out is it in the physical nope it's in the pineal gland in the brain it's with the chemicals that this clever thing produces and that certain uh, elements in society very well know how to control and once we can enlighten people as to this we're going to get the outcome that humanity deserves danny aren't we yep and um I firmly believe that I, you know, uh, hope, faith, and uh, intentionality are so important in these days that we are living in, these times and the experiences we're going through. Mm. Hope is very, very important right now. Yes, let's keep the vibration up, folks. Exactly. Uh, keep raising the vibration. Yeah. Let's talk about music then. One of my favourite subjects. Um, this might surprise we we share. We've got quite a lot in common, Danny. Um, I was actually DJ of the biggest nightclub in southern China. Wow. Uh, yeah, it, it it's just it's just one of those silly things that you end up doing in life. Yeah. I got sacked uh, literally within about a week. Um, but the the that's not the that's not the interesting thing. The interesting thing was. I blagged the job. I'd never DJ. I'd never DJed in this sense in my life. Yeah. 
the last time I played a record was when you had those red vinyl boxes. You could stick a yeah. stack of 45s on and put, put the little arm on, right? And I went I went to my favourite nightclub in Hong Kong where I knew um, Roy was his name. He's Ray in my book. And I said, Roy, can I go in the DJ box and write down the name of the tracks? Because I, I danced them every night. I, I, I don't know what they're called. And so I'm in there and, you know, I'm... I'm, I'm writing down like K class and all this sort of stuff went off to China. Oh, <laughs> while I was in the DJ box, writing them down in Hong Kong in the early part of the evening, you have a Filipino band playing, right? Mm. And then the band disappeared and the DJ comes on. So the band finished and they came over to the DJ box. They went, okay, over to you. <laughs> I'm like, uh, it's okay. not me. <laughs> but, Put the headphones on one ear because that's what I know. You put them on one. one. I think right. Is that, oh, that's the slider, right? Yeah. That. Oh, a, A and B. Oh, yeah. That's that's this track. And, and I just cued in this track, and it was the first three mixes were just perfect. And Brilliant. Every, everyone got up and dancing, and and and, and the, I got it. You know, I got what it is to be a DJ. This is great. Brilliant. And then the fourth mix was it sounded like a herd of left of handcuffed Mustangs <laughs> crashing down a flight of stairs. <laughs> um, but yeah, ha, ha, where did your love for music start and what 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 were you into? Uh, my love for music started at a very young age uh, through my mother having the radio on in the house. Um, my father worked in a print, so he'd either be sleeping during the day or he'd be at, at work or out with the dog. So um, he worked nights at the weekends um, and he worked days um, during the week. Um, so she'd always have the radio on in the kitchen and stuff. And I, I just got fascinated by the radio. I loved um, records at family parties. I used to put the records on. I just loved music from a very young age. And I, you know, kind of the, the radio was... Um, my obsession how you know a, a, a radio show was broadcast and where you know my imagination was imagination was i want you know kind of making this picture of the studio on on a ship somewhere in the uh, you know kind of off the coast in the atlantic or something like that and um yeah just uh that's where it started really and collecting records so at a very young age and i wanted to be on the radio um it was either that um, the, the, the radio uh, farming um, a, an astronaut and later uh, the army so, <laughs> all these things combined as a youngster do you re do you remember was it radio luxembourg yeah i used to listen to radio luxembourg on a small transistor radio late at night when i should have been sleeping and getting yes! ready for school <laughs> I was exactly the same. I used to just drift off the street listening to Radio Luxembourg and it was just brilliant. On a small radio, yeah. Yeah. In my mind, they were kind of like the new Radio Caroline. Yeah, you, that's you, right. I, yeah. I, 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 might, I might have been making a mal connection there, but, but so Radio yeah. Caroline was a ship, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. The, the DJs that went to sea and uh, could play what they liked and not have to pay royalties, or I'm guessing, or... Well, they all became Radio One DJs. Car Radio Caroline was um, the uh, uh, foundations of BBC Radio One's pop DJs. 
you know, Tony Blackburn and Jimmy Young and all these DJs were on Caroline at the time and the BBC brought them onto the station and um, Radio One was born, you know, the pop-tastic station where after many years of radio uh, on pirate radio, I went from there uh, and uh, on kiss radio and then kiss became legal. I spent, I think nine years on uh, the legal side of kiss. And then I, when it became a commercial station and then I was uh, poached and approached by BBC radio one and I joined radio one and I was there for seven years on a primetime Saturday night slot. So I'd climbed the uh, radio ladder um, from a relatively unknown, obscure soul DJ at two o'clock in the morning on a Tuesday night, Wednesday morning, when there was probably like a handful of people listening to um, playing to millions of people internationally on BBC Radio One. So I'm very proud of that achievement as well. And I'm really passionate about radio. Um, I still produce radio shows. I have a show on forceradio.net which is a news station um phil campion is on that station and uh, other former military uh, djs and presenters uh, the station is made up of uh, that's forceradio.net so i'm on there saturday seven to nine weekly mm. is that kind of is that military orientated or is it are they freedom orient how does that it, work? well it's military orientated it's uh, it's a new um independently backstation it's along the uh, the lines of forces radio that kind of thing yeah um, I, I remember getting interviewed on forces radio and not that long ago and what what is it they just before they my interview finished they said uh, and it, it was live as well i think and they said um what what's your recommendations then chris for curing ptsd and i said well let's stop sending them to these mickey mouse wars <laughs> um and they kind of uh, chuckled a bit uh, uh, letters of a complaint were there <laughs> yeah well possibly to the radio station I, I never got any oh nothing like a bit of controversy is there mm. uh, it's what makes makes radio go with a bit of a bang but um one uh one of the uh i think best radio moments because radio is pretty faceless was phil campion chasing a forces radio presenter who was cocky to him around the studio um on a live stream <laughs> i think for me that's one of the ultimate classic radio moments big phil and this um uh rather uh, mouthy um, uh, drive time radio presents on forces radio who overstepped the mark. <laughs> I saw, I saw video. I think Phil put that on one of his channels. <laughs> That's classic radio that is, but uh, mm. yeah. So music, I love music and um, this whole thing is uh, it's, it's done so much uh, devastation to all different um, fields of industry and business and um our uh, club scene has been impacted greatly in the festival scene and the live music circuit. And it's been really hard for mm. uh, 18 months, but you know, there's been a, a, a turning point in the summer and I've been pretty busy since uh, July the 19th, which was billed as freedom day. Um, and I played in Bristol that day and it was an incredible day, hot sunshine. Everyone was so excited to be out dancing and enjoying themselves and interacting with other people and um yeah it's been a good run so hopefully there's not going to be another kind of a restriction where uh everything closes again because there's enough devastation that has been done and um 
the industry has further <clears throat> going to be impacted with the um, introduction, and this is what we're opposing of this uh, passport that um, is completely wrong. It's unethical, and uh, we are opposing that. And I'm part of the Together Declaration .org, um, which is a very strong initiative, which is uh, supporting hospitality, all different uh, industries and a general opposition towards this pass. Um, there is no place for it in our open democratic society. And I've spent a lot of time campaigning over the last three months since the inception of uh, Together Declaration and um, part of the committee. I have played a voluntary role on the committee and uh, do a lot of work within that campaign group. Uh, because uh, I ha have contributed so greatly to the music scene in this country and to see where things are heading. We look at Scotland and the introduction to it, uh, this pass has got off to a very, very bad start. Uh, businesses are down, their trade is down 40, 50%. Um, there's had logistical um, complications and it just doesn't work. It's unnecessary and we don't want it. And uh, the young people, the young kids, uh, you've got uh, James from Wales, um, the student guy, is it James, what's his surname? Um, uh, is it James Martin? What's his name? The young student guy, Students for Action. Um, you know, he's, what's his name? He's uh, putting out some really um, uh, positive stuff. But, you know, uh, how it is, this has impacted his life and other, uh, you know, students and, you know, the 18 to 21 group, you know, they've been denied all, all the freedoms and the good times and going out without any restrictions and, you know, kind of, coming of age and going to the pub or whatever, you know, over the last couple of years, they haven't had that pleasure. You know, it must be yeah. very, very hard. It's hard for everyone, but particularly for the youngster, you know, the young community, you know, how it's impacted them. And he's a great spokesperson for uh, the um, 18 to 21 year old in, in this country. Yeah. That's James Harvey, isn't it? That's it. James Harvey. Yeah. yeah. He was, he, yeah, he was great. good enough to come on uh, one of our GVA podcasts. Yeah, yeah. And this is, I've said this a lot, you know, again, taking it back to veterans, we didn't fight and our colleagues die. So that on your 18th birthday, you rock up at a nightclub and some boots on the ground, blooming doorman goes, sorry, mate, you ain't coming in, but, but all your mates can. Yeah. And who's the person that's not allowed in? Well, it's the one that actually believes in eating well. Yeah. Um, you know, a bit of moderate exercise. Health conscious. Boosting, boosting their natural immunity. Yeah. They're the ones being penalised. Clearly, that doesn't make sense. So, you know, someone's fish, you know, you, 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 yes. you, you know, this passport system is, is um, there's something needs to be questioned about it, uh, you, you could say. Well, it's morally wrong, and it's creating a segregated uh, society, which it has in Scotland and Wales, because they are ahead of England. Um, Ireland also is going through this. Um, the European uh, countries, Australia is really, really terrible what's going on in Australia, which isn't reported on the mainstream media. It's a news blackout, what's going on down there. But mm. there's a lot, you know, a lot of friends that are really terrified and they're you know they're in states of anxiety you know they've lo they've lost their jobs 
their um, their businesses. Um, they cannot go to certain places. You know that isn't that that, that is not acceptable. You know, this is not what life's about. It's unacceptable and we do not want it here. And that's why we are opposing it with a together declaration. And I'm urging other everybody to uh, sign the charter at togetherdeclaration.org. Join us and support us and um, let's show our opposition towards uh, this, uh, this, this plan and these proposals. Um, there is no no there, there is no 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 segregation in society. No, we in don't any form. We don't have apartheid in Britain. Absolutely not. You know, no. we saw we saw that in South Africa and 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 how hideous it can get and the and then the uh, hatred. Yeah, it just absolutely. starts to develop hatred from birth in in indifference yeah. and, and division that actually doesn't exist because we're all yeah. one humanity. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, we, we bet we get on better as humans when everyone is succeeding and doing well yeah not, not by suppressing a certain element of society and and that that's yeah yeah that's alan miller isn't it is yes uh, alan miller is um he's the founder of um uh, uh the together declaration group uh alan was also the founder of the nighttime industries association which i supported uh uh, from its inception, um, he he's a great uh, campaigner, and he puts together uh, strong groups of people that make a difference, and that's what we're doing. We're mm. um, we're making a difference, and um, we're standing for what's right, and not supporting anything that is is wrong. And there's yeah. a lot there's a lot that's very wrong with what you know these things that are being drafted in, and you know swept through in you know kind of 40 minute debates which is again completely wrong yeah it's um you know we have to be careful because if we take our eye off the ball like for example they did in cambodia and there's numerous other examples worldwide you know you're in you're inviting tyranny yeah because not everyone's as nice as you yeah some people have agendas yeah. and we have to keep on top of that yeah, I've been to Cambodia. It's a wonderful country, and I certainly know that I'm going to go and visit there again in the future because travel is not going to be restricted. Um, it, uh, travel and freedom to travel are fundamental human rights, our in, inalienable um, sovereign rights to travel freely any place of our choosing across the world, and that is going to return. Um, so Cambodia... Um, I have been to the Killing Fields Museum and it it really is. It's a very disturbing experience of the um, genocide that went on in that country and how that happened um, and people turning against each other. And haunting, um, haunting, haunting that museum, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. Um, it, it, it really um, puts up close the scale of, uh, of the human suffering that went on there and um, the division and the manipulation of society. And these uh, uh, these atrocities cannot be repeated. They cannot be repeated, but we're in danger of this history. Well, let, let, let's not mince our words here, Danny. It, it is being repeated. Well, yeah. Once you start to silence the intellectuals, yeah. which is what they did in Cambodia, yeah. 
and then and, and then you find excuses to segregate them from the which is what happened at tall slang the, the torture museum um it's it, it it's it's already happening and we need to be realistic about this where freedom of speech is being stifled voices of dissent that say hang on and you know have you thought about it that they're not being allowed to speak they're being cut out of the mainstream uh, narrative completely and and um it what they wanted in cambodia in, in a very my amateur synopsis they just wanted a a kind of peasant population so people that were kind of farmers that couldn't really think much outside the box yeah controlled head down yeah. um and and um when you look at i mean just take this country but it's not this country it's like you say it's australia canada da, da, da. but but look at the when you look at the people that just go along with this blatant flagrant loss of freedom then you can see the parallel with cambodia the, the ones that don't question that don't they're not going to rock the boat mm. um yeah let's get back to the music danny because um yeah we've heard of course a little there yeah i know it's absolutely <laughs> fine it, it it needs to be said and i know there's many beautiful people out there that will be so pleased we've had this conversation yeah they'll either, they'll either know it or they've certainly been thinking about it well um, one thing is we're standing on the right side of history and we will stand in our values in our truth and in our sovereign power that is our role here and we will uphold that yes exactly and um everyone needs to look themselves in the mirror and say what what did you do when it came for the children what did you do because you know i don't want to sound threatening or, or fearful it's not I, just, I think fear creates division but you know you are responsible for your actions and Indeed. there is there is repercussions you know for every action there's a equal and opposite <laughs> i don't know maybe i'm gone a bit off, 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 off point but um it's not enough to just hold your hands and say yeah but what it was i wanted my two weeks in sharmel shake uh, or or <laughs> yeah but what it was i was a school teacher i had to do it it's like no that mm. that doesn't mm. that's called the nuremberg defense it yes it's it's, it's yeah. dangerous ground you have to stand firm and say no yeah that's simple nothing will happen to you yeah nothing will upholding your inalienable rights as danny said nothing will happen to you yeah have courage um, have courage have faith mm. and stand in one sovereign power and yeah. i think uh, during the just uh, the crisis that came about uh, particularly the um lockdown period i think it gave a lot of people um time alone and time in their thoughts to really evaluate the, uh, our lives who we are as people what life means um how we want to how we want the world to be how we want to live in the world and i think there was a there's been a major shift in consciousness which um is happening right now and, and also a major realization of personal sovereignty personal sovereignty is not being an anarchist personal sovereignty is self-responsibility do no harm do not break any laws um be kind to be other people and stand yeah. united you know these are just the basic core values of life in general yeah. and i think uh, this time that we have been isolated has been productive for uh, for a huge group of people who didn't choose to just sit on the couch 
and sit back and watch every single box set that's available on Netflix. You know, they've taken time to read more books, um, look at information uh, online that's empowering, um, take courses that are empowering, online courses. And that's one of the positives that has come out of a very negative uh, set of circumstances. Yeah. And let's not forget how many wonderful people we've all met through this. You know, yeah. genuine crusaders, kind hearted warriors. Yes. That, that just love children and, and are willing to put the children first. And in yes. my book, welcome aboard, isn't it? You know, you know, really, it's really made you analyze who you associate with. And I don't mean this in terms of division. Yeah. But when you've got to keep your vibration up, which is really important in life. And then you look at individuals and think, well, hang on, how much? And it's maybe not their, it's probably not their fault. Yeah. But it's like, you call me names because I love people. Yeah, because I because I like to read books and I like to learn history and, and see where tyranny comes. You, you, you like label me as this or that. Yeah. And no disrespect. I still love you and I always will. But. Yeah. Like, I don't want to wake up to you in my life that I want yeah. to wake up to people like Danny and people that yeah. that, that uh, realize we're these beautiful human beings. Yeah. And this is an incredible universe. And we are universe. We are a part of it. And we have every right to be here. Absolutely. Um, On our terms. And it's crazy to me now that it's just it's really just so negative to be around people that only know the mainstream narrative and again no judgment i used to be like that i'm sure we all were at one point but when you got people yeah do you see the statistics on the and how do you explain it no i haven't watched news for 20 years i i, I get what it is i know who owns the news companies i know what the what, why they put these narratives out and ah well, anyway in, let, let, independent uh, independent you media uh, represent um, factual information, uh, kind of, uh, and it's in real time. It's mm. there. New media is media of the people. It, new yeah. media is media that's presented by real people and not massive corporations that own everything and direct and narrate it. How, how much would you say, Danny, and I don't know, like how much you were into the substances. I, as, as anyone who's read my memoirs will know, I, I never had a problem with the dance scene. You used to go out, take a few pills, yeah, bit of this, but it, 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 it I'm not, I'm not saying it, it was always brilliant, and there weren't some awful come downs and some probably yeah. some stupid behaviour. But it was when I got to Hong Kong and someone went, "Oi, Chris, have you ever tried this crystal meth?" That oh, that's, good grief. That's when. It, that triggered my childhood trauma in a way. Well, it didn't trigger it. It was the key I thought in the lock, mm. and that's that's a dangerous thing when you think you found your potion and then it, and it makes you feel normal for the first time in your life. What now spirituality makes me realise I'm completely you know normal, right? But back then it was experimenting. Mm. But um, yeah, I just wondered uh, how you how 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 did you negotiate that sort of as a dj well i didn't i never worked in um you know kind of uh that uh state uh you know kind of a um altered state mm. um 
uh, there were a lot of recreation. Um, and I, you know, I, I don't personally didn't, I don't think it was that, you know, that harmful. It opened um, a lot of people's minds at that time as well. And it created a wave of empathy and it brought a lot of people together. It really did deconstruct everything. And um, people came together like uh, they hadn't before. You know, it was one tribe. It wasn't like all these um, um, uh, different tribes, you know, kind of, um, it became one tribe, the whole dance movement. And it, it, a lot, so much positivity came out of that time in um, the Summers of Love of 88 and 89. You know, uh, youth culture changed dramatically and um, careers were born, businesses, babies, uh, lifelong relationships and friendships. There was so much positivity, um, bringing people opportunity, bringing people together, the unity aspect of it, the collective consciousness. And I think what we see at rallies right now, in my opinion, because I was at the helm of all of that, there is a very, very parallel collective consciousness of the human spirit that you get at these large rallies um, around, around the world, the freedom rallies, um, the, the core collective consciousness, the spirit of unity is very, very parallel, but without the music and everything else that went on then, uh, very parallel in terms on a conscious level. And that is powerful. When groups of people come together and that collective energy, that creates a shift and it creates a change, as it did back then uh, within the, the electronic music and dance world and, uh, you know, kind of youth tribes. Um, and there was no ageism then either. That uh, ageism has crept back into society and all this kind of marginalised, pigeonholed, you're part of this and part of that, and this one's rights and that one's rights. That's all great, yeah. But, you know, kind of at that time, everything became unified. And that was a really incredible experience. And I think that's, you know, this is where we're heading now with this, this whole shift that's going on. Mm. But um, anybody who's been to a large rally will, uh, um, uh, will confirm that the energy is very, 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 very positive. And it gives people's morale a huge lift. Then they do not feel alone. There are other people around them that are also of a, a connected mindset and consciousness. And it's a very positive experience because we're, you know, we are all uh, flying the flag of freedom and unity and human rights. Yes. One thing that it'd be good to mention here. I'm, I'm really big on um, social influencers. I mean, to control the, what well, I, I call it the agenda, right? When you've got people on a remote Polynesian island and they're all, let's say, wearing certain things on their face and, and, and diving in the bushes when their next door neighbour works walks past, aka social distancing, you know this isn't, there's something more to this right because it ain't just london and boris johnson is it this is global right this is i'll call it agenda mm. and when i look back and it's not a new thing it's probably hundreds of years in in the making this thing and when i see how music has been co-opted or or uh, um infiltrated let's say to keep what I call people in their infant mind, so to sever that connection from the universe. 
Yeah. And the way music does it is it's all like lovey dovey. Oh, I'm no good. I need you to be a human. I miss you. Oh, you left me. Oh. And it's all it's all to lower your vibration and get, get you to think that you're a useless, worthless human being that needs someone else to to and the with the house music, it was the polar opposite. Absolutely. We are one tribe, we are one world, we are perfect as we are, you know, um, et cetera, et cetera. And it, when I listen to those songs now, and I love to do it when I go running, Danny, it, yeah. you know, just infinite possibility comes from those house music tracks. Uh, absolutely. And the frequency uh, kind of uh, of the, uh, the, the positivity that emanates from the melody and the um, lyrics of all of those early um, early productions um, underpinned the change that was happening as well. There was all different components to what actually happened then, and they all merged together, and then this whole movement was born. Mm. And as I said, I see parallels with what happened then, happening now, in a different form. Massively, it's, and it's to pick out these um, pertinent moments uh, there's a word for it in in, in spirituality. Um, ah, it slipped my mind, but you know, let's not all forget, folks. Those of us that experienced that era, we did it for a reason, and it's all coming good now. And it's put something in our hearts and our minds that that other people can't take that away from us, and it works to our advantage. Absolutely, to yeah. Um, how was it then? Because I, I, I used to chuckle driving along in a car on a Saturday night. You're off to the, you know, off to the the dance warehouse or whatever and yeah and, and on bbc would come um hey and, and it, i mean your name is the name i remember the most when i think about bbc radio because it was danny ramplin danny ramplin it was, you just but i used to chuckle because they get they get these phone-ins wouldn't they and they're people all driving back from the um <laughs> dance nights out the festivals and the yeah, we're we're going back to Kent, blah blah blah. And in my mind, I'm just picturing people like, like, oh, yeah, yeah. And and yet the BBC, obviously, with their um, sanitised version of life, <laughs> skirted very much around the subject of substance use, didn't they? They, it, it literally like never. They 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 wanted to get in on the dance scene. Um, but they did it on their terms. I just wondered if that was ever like an issue. Oh, uh, or... oh well, that they did because uh, when Acid House began and the rave scene, they banned the shame and they banned a couple of Acid records and said it was a, you know, kind of, um, uh, uh, well, they sensationalised it. But uh, they did the same thing with punk. You know, it's kind of like punk records were banned off the playlist. But what it done, it, it what it did, it just created more sensationalism for people to like come and like take part in it and like, great, what's this new music? So, but then they kind of mellowed out into the early nineties, and you know, I'm glad they invited me on there. But when I when I um, was invited on there initially, I, I was kind of like I was. I was quite taken back in the sense that I drove into Leicester one night to a gig and there's this massive billboard 30 feet by like 15 feet high with my face on it saying, and they didn't tell me this was going to happen. So it was placed on the motorway into Leicester and the caption was, I'm a, a dance music. I, I'm a, I'm a dance music DJ, not a chat show host. 
<laughs> I obviously lifted that um, caption from uh, one of my interviews, but I, I just thought, man, this is like really serious. You know, I've joined joined this st uh, station, and now I'm not, you know, just on the radio broadcasting to London and the southeast with Kiss. You know, this is like speaking to the whole country. So, um, I mean, looking back on it, that was a, a marvelous experience, but at the same time, very daunting initially. You know, kind of that. Um, jump from just a, a city to all the cities around the UK. And I love playing around the UK. You know, people say, where's your favourite place in the world to play? Well, I've played all over the world and, I, I, you know, I love Ibiza and I love America and Asia and Australia. But yeah, you know, playing on home turf is always very close to my heart and I, mm -hmm. I love it. I've been to every city across the UK. I've put, you know, as many moles in as Eddie Stobart's lorries over the years. <laughs> but I don't travel so much on the on on the motorway by car these days. I prefer to get the train. Yeah, you know, get the train and I'll stay in the city if it's Newcastle or something, then get on the first train out in the morning at eight o'clock or eight thirty and then get home and have a bit of Sunday. But yeah, I, I just love the UK. And um, at that time when I was on radio, one on Saturday night, it was a soundtrack to people getting ready to go out on a Saturday night. You know, it really got people pumped up and in the party mood across the land and everyone. And it was a great decade, the 90s. The 90s was a hedonistic, uh, free, um, you know, um, uh, a decade of fun and parties and Britpop and um, super clubs and clubbing and music and um compilations and uh, um mix albums and um you know fashion and um and uh, available credit and the economy was doing okay and people had disposable income it was it was just an incredible decade for everybody did you ever play hong kong i did the first time i played in hong kong it was in a karaoke club so they'd been like your experience of hong kong there'd been some karaoke earlier in earlier on in the club and then the club turned into a nightclub, and that was for Lee Burridge, uh, the DJ Lee Burridge. He invited me to play in Hong Kong, and it was it was a wonderful experience. I've played Hong Kong a number of times over the years. It's a city I love. It's changed dramatically in recent years, and it's got its it's got its problems there, like you know, kind of everywhere in the world right now. But um, I love Hong Kong as a city. Lee, I remember Lee came up to me in the Big Apple Club, and we were we were chatting and this was before he became an international name and uh you want a beer chris <laughs> like yeah i'll have a was it corona i think we used to drink yeah you want to come back with a, with a corona and it's funny just to think that where there's us chatting in this grungy nightclub in hong kong and now he's uh he's playing like burning man and all this sort of stuff yeah lee's a great guy really really good guy but uh, yeah, so you was out there in his kind of early days of his career, really. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I was there when it all kicked off in Hong yeah. Kong. Um, yeah. I, uh, I, I mean, I just remember how it all, all sort of happened. I remember. It was like mid nineties. Yeah. Uh, gosh, can I say there, there's a certain substance that's very easy to get hold of in Hong Kong, and it's <laughs> it's like bloody strong. Not, not, not what people are getting here, and no, folks, we're not advocating any of this stuff. No. I'm just, I'm just <laughs> telling you, like my experiences, and yeah, some, a lot of DJs fell foul of that kind of thing, didn't they? It, it, you, you can, you can go for so long DJing, and then you start to go downhill mentally. I mean, well, I think it's like you know anything in, it, it, you know, in life, you know, kind of 
when something feels good and it becomes addictive, then it becomes a problem. Um, and fortunately, you know, over the years, I've always kept fit. I've always, you know, kind of, I eat healthy. I cook my own food um, and uh, I take care of myself. And that's really, you know, important. But, um, you know, some people can have like, you know, go down the pub and have two beers and go home. I find that quite difficult. I prefer like five or six beers, but, you know, I don't like get up in the morning and have a beer for breakfast or, you know, a bottle of scotch, but, you know, it affects anything, any, any, uh, 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 any uh, chemical induced uh, sense of, uh, you know, escapism. People can become very, very addictive and it becomes destructive. And that destructive behaviour is based in core issues of childhood. And that's where the roots of addiction are. And um, I think, you know, kind of some people uh, have come through uh, the whole music scene in particular. You see it with rock bands, everything. And others have just like, you know, kind of wasted uh, themselves and their careers. And some people have lost their lives through addiction many people but um mm. yeah it's kind of yeah it's uh you know that decade of of the 90s was it was a party decade you know let's you know and everybody was having the time of their lives it was it was a time of such freedom and and fun and you know i'm glad that we were you know kind of all around during that decade and contributing to it you know it was so what um there's so much i'd love to ask you first of all did you like the film? It's all gone, Pete Tong. Um, no, I thought it was a bit. Um, I thought it was, a, to be honest, I, I, I didn't particularly like that film. I prefer Human Traffic. I think Human Traffic ah. is the is the mo most realistic, definitive of count that um, captures the spirit of those times. A bloody brilliant film and Train Spotting as well. But those other films, I thought were, I don't know. I just they were kind of like comedy, but. I, don't, I didn't really find them funny. <laughs> you know, uh, the, 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 the uh, All Gone was all about uh, the deaf guy, wasn't it? Which it had, yeah. like, it had <laughs> like a, th a, a, a topical issue, an important issue, because I'm half deaf, but that, that's from firing an 84 millimeter in Brecon. But <laughs> nothing to do with like DJ. <laughs> yeah, right. Bad sound systems. But uh, yeah, no, I. My favourite out of all of these films that have been produced is definitely Human Traffic, you know. Which um, which DJs did you get along well with? I get along with all DJs, um, you know, we're all, you know, kind of, um, uh, we're all in the same industry, but, you know, there aren't many DJs that, you know, kind of don't get along with as such, you know. Mm. I mean, th this thing that's happened now, I mean, our industry is, yeah, kind of, there's, I don't know. It's, uh, you know, kind of people have gone along with it and that's their choice. You know, I'm very pro-choice, but, you know, there's a, you know, I, I this morning, I, you know, there was people that, you know, I've been friends with and I've I come under a lot of flack for speaking my mind and standing in my truth as we all do. And the amount of like insults and abuse, I, you know, I, I, I could shrug it off generally because I rise above it. But this morning it kind of affected me and I just thought, you know, it's just low, you know, you know, I just delete that crap. But, you know, it does affect you sometimes. You mm -hmm. think, what's going through your mind to actually start insulting someone who's actually been a friend and you've drank with and you've played in the same booth with? It's just like, it's like, come on, 
You know, come yeah, on, what, it, what are you trying to achieve here? You're making yourself look bloody stupid because we have a difference of opinions and a viewpoint. You've got to resort to insults and abuse. You know, there's no, I don't take kindly to that. It's like, go away. You know, don't, don't come on here. Don't come into my house and insult me because you'll be shown the door straight away. And that's what I do. I just block these people and move on. Yeah. I do get it. I can see there's certain uh, individuals on the DJ scene that are just going right along with it to make their oh. lives to make their lives easier, and, and and maybe it's naivety as well. And I get it, Danny. I yeah. get it. Can you give us any names then of some good time? I mean, I met Brandon in uh, Hong Kong and, and Alex, which was quite uh, yeah in their heyday. We're the still old years. Yeah, <laughs> we're still friends to this day, and uh, yeah, good. Yeah, uh, they're great guys. They're all great guys. You know, we get we all get along. Uh, you know, and we we're you know playing on the same gigs together and stuff, and you know catch up and have a bit of a laugh, like you know, kind of you do with your you know a lot of your military buddies and stuff. Mm. You know, it's you know well, you know we're all doing the, the the same thing and bringing pleasure to people in the like the DJ arena and having a great time. Um, at the, you know at the same time playing music and sharing music and getting that vibe going and that's you know it's very it's very addictive and it's a wonderful connection to have with the audience and that rapport you know it's a it's a massive natural high it's just you know kind of and every gig is different but so uh, you know i always strive to be better than my last gig and if i've had might get your it happens seldom happens but you might get the odd gig that might be plagued with a few difficulties or technical difficulties or Sometimes, you know, the vibe might not be right. But then, you know, the next time you step out, you know, it's just, that's gone. It's done, you know, it's not to be repeated. But the occasional one will crop up. That's life, you know. You could have, like, a piece of equipment go down or something or, you know, kind of people not in the, you know, kind of right the right space. But I, I endeavour to get them in that space. That's what I do. I'm, you know, I'm a, a shaman. I'm a musical shaman. You know, I bring the energy, to, as we all do, we bring the energy to the room. And we lift that energy. Have you ever, when you've been mixing between two tracks, have you ever really screwed it up? Does that happen? No, of, course, of course we all have. And that's how you learn. But, you know, in the early days, you know, I wasn't like, you know, kind of the, you know, kind of, immediate like kind of you know master mixer it takes time to refine the craft there's different levels of ability with rhythm but you know when i you know had clunky mixes just chop straight out of them you know it's like and you know what it's a split second but you, you don't stay in the trouble you get out of it quickly yeah. get out <laughs> you know everything's smashing about in out <laughs> that's that's always been my my you know exit point out that it can happen you know particularly in the vinyl days you know you know yes. things can go turntable can wander and then you're in the territory of clustering sounds as much as you're trying to get that mix back i would just like cut out of it, it it's gone you know it's kind of rather than like oh you know kind of panicking a bit and you know kind of it's the same when you know equipment goes down and stuff you know kind of on the back in the vinyl days i'd like you know kind of uh, when CDs were first introduced, you know, kind of like I'd push the stop. I Occasionally I'd hit the stop button on the one that was playing. It's like, oh shit, what's happened here? You know, and everyone has done that. Every single DJ has done it. And every single DJ has experienced 
you know, a, a mix that didn't go right. And that's how, you know, particularly when you're starting out, that's how you learn. If I hit the stop button, I'd go, right, it's a two minute silence for Bob. <laughs> people jeering, boo. <laughs> people, but, um, going, people going home. <laughs> Yeah, it's, you know, kind of, it's it's all experience, isn't it? And, mm. you know, kind of, uh, my first experience was in um, Spain and um, it was the first ever DJ gig that I was, I thought I'd made it, I got this job in a club. I lasted um, a couple of hours because um, the, there was a power cut and back then in the 80s, there was, you know, kind of, Spain was power cuts in, you know, 70s and 80s were, commonplace mm. anyway the power cut long sorry shut power went down and the owner of the club he said hey just get on the mic and tell some jokes and i'm bloody hopeless at telling jokes because i can never remember them <laughs> and um, i said well i can't tell any jokes he said well how about a wet t-shirt contest just come on interact with the audience and i wasn't very I wasn't very confident on the mic at all. And I said, I'm sorry, I'm here. I'm just here to play the music. They said, oh, my friend, then you have to go then. So that was the end of my my um, residency in Spain. And I just, uh, I, you know, kind of, I, I was so inexperienced. But, hey, you know, you, I didn't give up. I went back and then, I, you know, kind of not in that club. I, I wasn't welcome back there because I, I, I wasn't a comedian and I wasn't very mic proficient. So I was very like a newbie. You know, I was just starting out. But, uh, you know, you, you, know, you have your setbacks in anything in life. You just keep going, don't you? If you're determined, you get back up and you dust yourself down and you keep going and you push on. Did you ever meet Avicii by any chance? Um, no, I didn't meet him, actually. Yeah, it's a very sad story, isn't it? I met his um, road manager once in uh, Holland um, on an event I was playing at. He was on uh, an event uh, there also. Uh, I didn't meet him in person, no. No. I just... Uh, of all those people in history that you'd like to meet, he, uh, he, he would just be one of them. Uh, I, I listen to his tracks quite a lot when I go yeah. running. Yeah, he was a very talented uh, uh, producer and DJ and, mm -hmm. yeah, massive, massive star. And um, the pressure and fame of his touring and everything and alcoholism and it got to him. And, yeah, um, it's a tragic story. But, you know, God bless his soul, really tragic story. And that's that's a tale of the excesses of both work life and um, mm -hmm. alcohol and um uh, uppers and downers you know a pill to get to sleep and a pill to wake you up you know he got into that kind of prescriptive um medication and stuff and um you know being in demand across the world it's you know it, it was too much for the i think for, when you sign guy. when you sign these big music contract they want their pound of flesh out you don't they and they 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 just exploited him they did unfortunately yeah absolutely tragic but that's you know the, the tragedy of uh, some of the artists in music, you know, kind of uh, cannot cope with it. And um, just a, a really sad story. So, yeah. So, Danny, to, to finish, we're going to finish on a positive, but to, yeah. go, to the, go to the negative first, it, what, what's been your worst moment, DJ? <laughs> oh, you can give a few examples if, if, <laughs> if some come to mind. Worst moment? Uh... Well, I've, I remember I played in Jersey one night, and again it was for like a power issue. And I played, I played 
three minutes of one record, a jersey, you know, kind of can't just like get on another plane and go home at midnight. Um, and within three minutes, the electricity had gone gone down in the in the venue. And I thought, well, it'll come back on. It didn't come back on, so the gig was ruined. But I mean, there's been plenty of things, you know, kind of missed flights and you know, kind of I remember I went to Poland once and um uh what happened in Poland? There was this uh, uh this problem with the sound system in this coastal town, I think it was near Gdansk or something. We got there. I didn't end up playing because there was first there was a sound issue that they were trying to rectify, and then this storm came in, and um, that gig didn't happen. And the same in um, Acapulco, uh, there was a um, an electric storm that happened there, and it was torrential rain. And turned up in Mexico. It was the first time that we were playing in Mexico, and it and this rain just came down on the storm, and I, I played. But it was very, very difficult and challenging because the rain had kept everyone out off the festival site, apart from the diehards, and it, it rained everyone off. It was playing under this um, this tarpaulin, and the water was coming through, so it was a pretty precarious situation. But I mean, I mean, they're kind of few and far between, really. Did you did you see the cliff divers in Acapulco? No, I didn't. No, I was only there for like I think it was one night, so I didn't get to see that either. Yeah. amazing amazing have you done that yes brilliant yeah i saw the elvis when elvis died was yeah. it summer of 77 or 76 yeah. yeah they they played his movies all all summer holidays and one of them was going loco in acapulco or elvis in acapulco whatever it was called and it was for for friends at home if you haven't seen it it's elvis goes to acapulco and he ends up uh, doing the infamous dive of Las Clabladas, I think the cliff is called, off off the big cliff that the locals do um, fearlessly, and it's forty two meters high. Yeah. So to give anyone an idea, that that's that's the height that most people jump to. Can I say commit suicide? Mm. These these guys do it yeah. part of the show. And when I got so. I'm one of these people, Danny, I always put stuff on a back burner in my mind. I never say never. Like, if I get the chance, I'm going to do it, right? When I rocked up in Acapulco, traveling the world, first place uh, after I left Mexico City, the first place I wanted to go to was the cliff. So uh, Acapulco to see the cliff. And I wandered down to the cliff. Out, It's like it's outside a hotel complex. And I saw the changing room for these guys. Yeah. And it's got Las Clavadistas, the divers on the on the thing with a star or something. And yeah, marvelous. I thought, I thought, oh my god, I can <laughs> go in the changing room and. <laughs> and I went in, and literally, it was pretty bleak in there. There was just some dumbbells on the floor for them to walk. <laughs> that that was it, and a maybe a peg to hold your coat. Yeah. And the guy was mopping out, and I said, "Hola, hola, cómo está? Yeah, todo bien." Um, and in my fractured Spanish, I'm, I said, so, you know, where are these cliff divers? And he said, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm Salvador. I'm a cliff diver. I'm just, I'm like a child <laughs> in a sweet shop by this stage. This is what I love about Brilliant. life. I love yeah. these things about life. You know, I saw this Elvis movie and now I'm, I'm there talking yeah. to one. And he said, uh, Vam, Vam, Vamos Nadar, do you want to go and swim? I thought he meant in the hotel swimming pool. So I'm like, see, sí, bueno. So we walked out and rather than go right to the hotel, 
he starts walking down to the cliff. And next thing I know, he's stripping his shirt off. So I'm like, <laughs> I'm following suit. He stood on this uh, parapet. And even to get into the lagoon, it's it's like a, you know, five or six meter dive and off he went. So I went after him and the whole thing about well the, yeah, that well, the whole thing about the dive that makes it so uh, infamous is that you have to wait for the wave to come in. Yeah. Otherwise, it's not deep enough. You're going to. That's right. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So we dived in and then you suddenly realize the swell is huge. Yeah. It's taking you 20 meters this way, then it's swooshing you back again. And so I just started to make for the actual cliff. And historically, these guys always climb the cliff. It's just what what they do, right? You can go around the top way, but these guys always climb the 42 meters. So I climbed up and this guy Salvador's like, no, senor, no, you know, he thinks the tourist is gonna just hurt himself. And um I was like, it's okay. I, I climbed to, I don't know, maybe 10 meters. Yeah. And I turned and I did a swallow dive. And to say dream come true, dream come true, Danny, you know? Well, yeah, it was. Yeah. The experience of that. Brilliant. Yeah. It's something that we should all do. <laughs> yes. Live your dreams. One life. That's it. Well, that's the thing. And um, just um, talking about, you know, kind of, um, personal development um i'm very connected with um a life remix mark wilkinson's um personal development life coaching company and mark's been a very uh, uh, great support through my own uh, you know kind of difficulties through um you know kind of going from a full diary to no diary last year so uh, i wrote the forward to mark's book and i'm part of his uh, his life coaching company and um, have trained to do a couple of other things through um, uh, Mark's help, uh, Life Remixed. That's a really, really good book. And, um, you know, if you're going through career changes or all manner of life changes, which I think, you know, kind of like a huge percentage of people are, it's a great um, book of Mark's experiences um, to read at this mm. time. You know, he's a very, yeah. very positive guy um he's been a dj internationally he's been a friend for many years and um yeah so i really you know kind of recommend life remixed um coaching um um uh, personal development coaching yes and i would too because i signed up for his course um my philosophy is you ne you can never learn enough in life and exactly and the other thing as well is it's good to be accountable. So if you say you're going to, I don't know, whatever it is, knock the booze on it, you, you've got someone going, how are you getting on? And you can chat about it, you know, and, and, and but to be, it's the accountable thing. So accountability, got, yeah, yeah, very important. I've been able to put stuff in my career in place. So I've just procrastinated about for years. And yeah. bang, once you're accountable, yeah. you do it in a week. And it's exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Mark was on the show, so I'll put a link. Uh, that yeah, that's just reminded me. I must watch that interview, Chris. Yeah, the only trouble when you um, when you chat with Mark is he's he's always trying to borrow a tenner off you. <laughs> and you got to watch in the tenner bucket. Yeah, watch <laughs> what watch your checkbook as well. <laughs> I've got one of those at the moment, but <laughs> they've gone. They've gone out of circulation, haven't they? 
but uh, what was I going to say? Uh, yeah, I'm playing down your neck of the woods, actually, in Plymouth. Oh, yes. On New Year's Day. Whereabouts? Tell us and let's promote it. Uh, just have a look. Um, let's have a look. So my next gigs are at um, Ministry of Sound Classical. That's with the um, London Orchestra at Delaware Pavilion on uh, November the 26th, Friday, November the 26th. I'll be uh, playing a set there and um, introducing the orchestra. That's going to be a good gig, a pretty epic, spectacular gig. And then I'm playing on Saturday the 27th with Tall Paul and Seb Fontaine um, in Maidstone, Kent. And then in December the 4th, I'm playing at Clockwork Orange at Fabric in London. That's a big all day thing. And then the uh, the 12th, I believe it is, we present in Leicester with DJ Alfredo from Ibiza. And then um, New Year's Day in Plymouth. Let's just get the club details. I love the way that doesn't roll off your tongue, Plymouth. We're, we're up there with Paris and New York, mate. Well, I'm, I haven't played Plymouth for quite some time, but um, yeah. I'll spend a couple of days down there, so we'll um, we'll meet up. Definitely. Do you know the venue? I'm trying to find it here on this feed. Just bear with me. Ah, right, got it. It's where? Where is it? It's, um, right. It's uh, New Year's Day, one p.m. till late. Oh, one p.m. Right. Okay. So it's a it's a, an all day, probably one p.m. till midnight thing with uh, Ridney. It's at the Treasury. Is it the Treasury? Treasury? Yes. Yeah, Catherine Street, Plymouth. That's New Year's Day. Looking forward to that. Brilliant. So I'll try and wander down and see you. And uh... Well, you've got UK Column down in Plymouth, which is a great um, news channel as well. They're based in Plymouth, aren't they? Yes, yes. Um, they, 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 their name's been coming up a lot recently. No, no surprise. Yeah, I'm sure. They're a great media company. New, new media, should I say. New independent media company. Yeah. Well, they've been yeah. going a few years, but they've uh, they've really taken centre stage in the last um, couple of years, haven't they? Yes, they did. They, they they see their backdrop. It's the it's Plymouth Hoe, where Sir Francis Drake famously uh, refused to not finish his game of bowls before sailing out to frazzle the the Spanish Armada. Yeah, brilliant. Yes, and uh, so last. Uh, Danny, I'll tell you what do, just send me all that in a, in a little paragraph and I'll put it below our video so everyone can just save me having to, you know, do an internet search for it all. So last question then is uh, best moment. Got any particular highlight that stands out in your... Oh, there's, there's thousands of them. Um, but um, I think playing at George Michael's um, 30th birthday party in a film studio in West London was... Um, a high point um that was great playing in cape town uh on the race course in cape town on the millennium eve uh, radio one did a broadcast all around the world and i was um uh dispatched to cape town which is a place i love and that was a great gig there was thirty-five thousand people on this open air well this big open air event and that was a magnificent evening that really was and um you know, all the Knights of Ibiza, all the Shoon events um, in the um, 88, 89, all the recent Shoon events that I've put together. But, you know, kind of uh, in terms of promoting my own events at the moment with the Shoon brand, I've just um, put that on hold for the time being um, until things level out a bit, you know. Mm. 
Uh, yeah, George Michael was a nice guy, wasn't he? He'd... Yeah, he really was. So down to earth and he, got to uh, meet... he just got a freaking hammering in the met by the mainstream media, didn't he? He did, yeah. Unfortunately, like a lot of pop stars, but he was a, a very charming, down to earth guy, and um, you know, kind of had a chat with him and met him, and you know, totally down to earth. No, no pretenses. Just yeah, had a dance to the music. <laughs> Wasn't the greatest dancer though, if I remember. <laughs> uh, great singer but his dancing skills were you know kind of with the, without the choreography but then i was playing house music and that was very early on i think that was 88 that party 88 89 but he had a good dance mm. and so to finish off what, what's your favorite dance track or house oh blooming hell <laughs> okay all- off the top of my head um uh, Frankie Knuckles, your love. Brilliant. Yeah. Yes. I'm going to chip in. Um, I, I'm I'm really bad at remembering names. I, there's probably about 20 tracks that equally are just beautiful in my yeah. head. I do like um, where love is it where love lives. Yes, Alison Limerick again. Frankie Knuckles and David Morales. Timeless classic production. Yes. Brilliant. Happy music. Uplifting positive music. Yes, what we need and what we can all learn from. Yeah. Uh, you can check out my um, my radio shows on Mixcloud under my page on Mixcloud, Danny Rampling Mixcloud. Uh, there's the Love Group Dance Party shows there and the weekly Saturday show on uh, between 7 and 9 on forceradio.net, which Brilliant. is all, all uplifting house sounds. We'll put all the links below the video, folks. So, Danny, stay on the line just so I can thank you properly and... Um, Ask you if I can borrow a tenner. <laughs> but much love to you, mate. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Next time someone asks you what the highlight of your career, you can say being on Chris Rules Bought the T-shirt podcast. Absolutely, Chris. Yeah. Obvious, obviously. <laughs> um, to our friends at home, big love to you all. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you, you love this chat as much as I have. If you can like, subscribe. Or maybe don't like and don't subscribe. It's This is what freedom is all about. <laughs> and we'll see you next time. Yeah. Pleasure. Friends, thank you for listening to the Bought the T-Shirt podcast. Please like, subscribe and share. And don't forget to follow me on social media. Username, Chris Thrall. Instagram, Chris.Thrall. Thank you.